The following Dharma talk was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. The speaker is Mark Nunberg, guiding teacher at Common Ground. Welcome, everyone. So we gather on Monday nights for the Buddhist Studies class because on some level we've realized that these ancient teachings by this person that we refer to as the Buddha, which isn't a name but a title, means the person or a person who's awake. And it specifically refers to somebody who woke up without a set of teachings from somebody who was awake. So you might wake up, but you can't be a Buddha. (laughs) You can have the awakening of a Buddha, but a Buddha is somebody who woke up without instructions and then was able to articulate that process of waking up in a way that helps other people wake up. So the whole point of this class we do on Monday nights, and it's, Uh, almost a six-year curriculum, and then it repeats and repeats. This is maybe our fourth go-round through that. started, I think, in 98. And uh, somehow we still find value in these teachings that are 2,500 years old. And it just goes to show you that when a human being understands deeply the nature of the mind, it in a sense, doesn't mean that culture isn't important or time, place isn't important, but that when we or somebody understands the mind, the heart really deeply, then what we come to understand isn't specific to me or to my mind, my heart, or this time and place, this culture. The understanding of the mind is universal. And so to whatever degree we're able to talk about it, then it can be helpful to other people. So that's what we mean by insight, too. It's having insight into the nature of the mind. And so when we come together, like we're doing this summer for seven weeks, to look at the Buddhist teachings on mindfulness of the body, we're, you know, we're, there's so many interesting things to talk about and to so many interesting things to do with our mind. But we're specifically taking some of these instructions from the Buddha, and we're trying them out. And we're seeing if it's helpful, if it actually leads to a release, a loosening of the heart, a release from bound up, contracted states of being to states of more release, more skill and love. And we specifically decide to do that in community. So we're, even though the group has grown over the years, we try to have in this Monday night class, the Buddhist studies class, a real sense of community, a real sense of commitment to both practice and study and working together as community. So even though Everybody here has their own particular duties and responsibilities. Some of you have children you're taking care of. Some of you have jobs that require you to be out of town or busy on Monday night. And of course, that's okay. It's okay to miss class on Monday night. 
But the commitment we make to each other is that when you can be here on Monday night, that you come here on Monday night, which is different than some of the other programs we have, have at the center where it's just drop in. You can come when you like. You don't have to come when you don't want. But for this class, we ask for a commitment. When you can be here, you come on Monday night. And we ask for a commitment that you, in some way, work with the material at home. So I've already sent to the email list some articles that you can pull from, and I'll send another three after I update the mailing list. So if you um, think you're not on the Buddhist Studies email list, and when you go home you don't have an email from the Buddhist Studies email list, then send me an email, mark, mark at org, and I'll get you on that email list. So there's study, there's practice, and then there's showing up both to the large group discussions, but also the small group discussions that we have every other week. And being willing, I know it's not easy, and for some of you who are more shy or introverted, it's not easy at all. It can be very scary to sit down with a couple other people and talk about your experience, having a mind, having a body, and what that's like. But it's part of the program. So we ask people to commit to that. And uh, even if it's not all of it feels right, or but if enough of it feels right, then you commit to the whole thing. That's great. And uh, just to sort of help with that commitment of practice, of study, of community work, we have this relatively artificial criteria of having... Ha- asking people to have done three mindfulness retreats, including even half-day retreats. And uh, some people who've never done a half-day or a day-long or three-month retreat are quite committed to their practice and belong in this class. And other people who have done lots of retreats probably shouldn't be here. Because <laughs> right now in their life, they're not that committed to the study, the practice, and the community work that, that we do here. So if you have any questions about that criteria for being in the class, just see me afterward. I'm okay with people who are really committed to the practice, but maybe still have one or whatever retreat to do, as long as you're committed to doing that in the next several months. But you can just check in with me if you have any questions about that. And just... uh, little nuts and bolts. So we sit from 7 to 7.25 for whoever can get here at 7, which means the lobby needs to be quiet during that time. If you want to chat with other people during the 7 to 7.30 time, either in the community room or outside, but not in the lobby, because we heard how much fun people were having tonight, (laughs) laughing. So it's good to keep the lobby quiet in that way. And if you come a little bit late, feel free to come right into the room until about 7.05, but don't enter the room after 7.05 until you see the doors open and then there's that transition time from 7.25 to 7.30 and then we'll plan to start right at 7.30. And we start with the three refuge chant. Some of you have done this chant before. We do it in Pali, which is the traditional way regardless of the culture, the place. People who work with these teachings of the Buddha chant these three refuges 
and we're taking refuge in Buddha, Dhamma, Sangha. Buddha, although maybe in Asian cultures and even here in the West, people feel inspired by this human being, the Buddha. But ultimately, that refuge is somewhat tenuous because we really don't know that historic person. But what we can know directly, especially over time, as we reflect and practice, we can really get a direct sense of the awakened, liberated quality of the mind, a mind, the heart, that is unafraid, that's clear, that can be right in the middle, awake. So we take refuge in that aspect of the heart or mind, and we call it Buddha. And we remember that's my refuge, not my money in the bank, not my health, not the fact that everybody likes me or whatever, respects me, because all those things come and go. So we take refuge in the awakened quality of the heart. We take refuge in Dhamma, the way things are, because we are looking for freedom without having to make the conditions of my life different than they are. So we just put that up front. I'm taking refuge in the way it is, the body that's here now, the life that's arising now, the attitudes and personality that's being expressed now. So it's Buddha, the awakened quality, knowing the way it is, Dhamma. And we take refuge in that. You see how it brings us right into the here and now. And we take refuge in the third refuge, Sangha, or Sangha. Sometimes people think of this as spiritual community. But more specifically, it's they're, they're, they're the awakened qualities, the beautiful qualities that arise when awakenness is intimate with the way it is. And then the response, how that mind, that heart, shows up and responds is beautiful. It's something that is inspiring, something that when we're mindful we see as beautiful, whether we see it in somebody else or we see it in ourselves. It's not personal, but it's beautiful. So we take refuge in the capacity to respond beautifully in moments of our lives when there's Buddha knowing Dhamma. Or we take refuge that other people are responding beautifully in the moments of their lives when they have, when they're meeting that moment with that awakened quality of mind or heart. So these are the refuges and it's traditional and it's a beautiful thing to do at the beginning of class to sing together in this slow way. And it's a really good reminder. So in your own way, do the translation as we sing together. And traditionally, you chant a little bit faster than we do. We slow it down, mostly because it makes it more fun to sing together. And later, you know, after we've been doing this for years, I read a psychology article about how powerful it is for a group of people to do something together. It like changes the energy of the group. And so maybe that's why we like doing it together. So I'd encourage you, even if you don't feel wholehearted, to do it wholeheartedly. Because part of what we're discovering as we take up these teachings of the Buddha is that um, the teachings are very pragmatic. They work. And they work regardless of whether we think they should work or they, we have doubt. But we have to actually engage them 
to discover that they're really practical. They have, it's like cause and effect. If you do something, you get the effect from doing that. So if you need, uh, if you didn't pick up one, we do have the chant here. Most of you know it. So we'll do that. And then we'll sit for about 20 or so minutes tonight. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org.